Amen. All right, well, we're there in Luke chapter number 16, and uh, like we talked about, last week we started a brand new series on the subject of stewardship, and uh, this week we're going to be dealing with a very specific uh, parable in regards to stewardship, and I want to encourage you, if you were not here last week, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to last week's uh, sermon on stewardship. You can find it on our website, on both our website, our YouTube page, Facebook, uh, because last year we really laid the foundation. It was kind of the theology of stewardship and what the Bible teaches in a, uh, about stewardship. This week, we're going to deal with this parable of the unjust steward, and uh, the unjust steward's parable is probably one of my favorite parables in the Bible. It's, it's, it's between one and, the, and another parable as far as my favorite parable. And the reason that I like it is because to most people, it is probably the most confusing, uh, one of the most confusing parables uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, ever told. However, we cannot study stewardship without learning the principles and important principles in regards to a stewardship that is found in this parable. And I want to give you three lessons this morning that we can learn about stewardship from this parable. One of the reasons, if, if you're paying attention as we were reading this morning, one of the reasons that this is such a confusing or intriguing parable uh, to people is because of the fact that the main character of the story, the hero of the story, the, the, the one that we're learning from is an unjust steward. He's a crook. He's a thief. He's a liar. He's, uh, de- you know, deceiving. And it's interesting that we're learning a good lesson from this unjust man. And in fact, he's uh, commended for what he does. So oftentimes people will read this and think, you know, what is this about? And what is it that uh, Jesus is trying to teach us here? But I think after this morning's sermon, I think you'll understand the purpose of the, of the parable and what we can learn. So I'd like you to notice there, look down at verse number 1, Luke chapter 16 and verse 1. The Bible says this, And he said unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man, all right? And I want you to understand, in the parable, in the story, the rich man is the Lord. The rich man is the master. He is the one who is in charge, all right? Now, when I say he's the Lord, I don't mean he's the Lord like God. He's the Lord in the story. In the story, or in the Bible in general, the word Lord just simply means boss. And often you'll find people calling other men their Lord, not meaning like they're the Lord Jesus Christ or their God, but meaning that's their boss or their master. And here it says, there was a certain rich man which had a steward. Now, again, what is a steward? And I don't want to go back and re-preach last week's sermon, but a steward is a manager. A steward is someone who manages resources on behalf of another. A steward would be someone who the Lord, someone who's very rich, someone who has a lot of wealth, someone who has a lot of resources. A, 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 a steward would be someone who the Lord would hire to manage their resources. Really no different than today where you might have a very rich man who hires an accountant to basically manage their accounts or to manage their finances. Uh, But it was more than just money. The stewards would often run the servants and run the household, maybe run the business on the behalf of the Lord. The Bible says there was a certain rich man which had a steward and the same was accused to him that he had wasted his goods. And I want you to notice in this parable And the first point is this, for those of you that like to take notes, we see the problem of the unjust steward. What is the problem of the unjust steward? Well, I want you to notice the problem is found there at the end of verse number one, that he wasted his goods. 
wasted whose goods? He wasted the rich man's goods. He wasted the Lord's goods. See, you need to understand, the rich man is the one who possesses everything. The rich man is the one who holds everything. The rich man is the owner of the resources. The steward owns nothing. The steward has been hired to manage the resources on behalf of the rich man, but the steward has wasted the rich man's goods. You say, well, what what would we call that? See, today, we would call that in our society, we'd call it embezzlement, right? What is embezzlement? It's theft or misappropriation of funds placed in one's trust or belonging to one's employers. You know, we think of famous names like Bernie Madoff. What was, who was Bernie Madoff? He was a man that received finances from other people. He was entrusted to manage those finances on their behalf. He was entrusted to keep accounts for them and to invest it on their behalf and to do things for them. And what did Bernie Madoff do? He wasted and spent it on himself. He took their money and used it as if it was his own money. He used their money that they had entrusted him to manage on their behalf, and he used it to buy himself cars, to buy himself clothes, to buy himself uh, you know, uh, houses, to buy himself vacations. Bernie Madoff was the unjust steward. You know, it was someone who's embezzling, who is misappropriating the funds placed in their trust that belong to somebody else. The unjust steward is one who is using the master's resources. And if you want to just write that statement down to help you understand the parable of the unjust steward. The unjust steward is unjust, is unrighteous, is untrue, is a crook because he was using the master's resources as his own. And you say, well, how do, what can we learn from that or how does that apply to us today? Well, here's what you need to understand. And we talked about this last week, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I do want to just refresh your mind on it for a second. Go to the book of Psalms. Keep your place there in Luke 16. That's our place, uh, our text for this morning. Go to Psalms. If you open up your Bible, just right in the center, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms. Do me a favor. When you get to Psalms, put a ribbon or a bookmark or a bulletin or something there in Psalms because we're going to leave Psalms and we're going to come back to it later in the sermon, and I'd like you to be able to get to it quickly. Psalms. Psalm 24, and I'd like you to look at verse 1. Psalm 24 and verse 1. The rich man is the one who owns everything. In my life and in your life, God would be the rich man. God would be the owner. It is God who owns everything. Everything belongs to God uh, because, and I'm not, and like I said, I'm not going to go back and re-preach last week's sermon. We talked about the fact that everything is owned by God because he created it, because he redeemed it, because it's his. Psalm 24 and verse 1, notice what the Bible says. Psalm 24, 1 says, a Psalm of David, notice what the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So the Bible says that the earth, This world that we live on belongs to God and the fullness thereof. Everything that that you could fill up the earth with belongs to God. Notice the world and they that dwell therein. Who's the they that dwell therein? That's you and I. See, the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in the earth is the Lord's, including 
you and including me. See, God is the owner. Everything belongs to God, including us. So when we look at the parable of the unjust steward, you say, well, who would be the rich man? Or the, who is the rich man representing? It's God, because God is the one who owns it all. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, including ourselves. Go to Revelation chapter number 4. Revelation chapter number 4, if you go to the, towards, it should be fairly easy to find, last book in the New Testament, Revelation chapter 4, look at verse number 11. Now we saw there in Psalms, in Psalm 24, and verse 1, it says, the world and they that dwell therein. The world belongs to God, and those of us who, be, who dwell in the world belong to God. But here's what you need to understand. We are the stewards. He is the owner. We are the stewards. And here's what you need to understand. And we talked about this last week. All we have, all we have, we have been given to manage on behalf of the owner, which is God. Revelation chapter 4, and look at verse 11. Notice what the Bible says. Revelation 4, 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord. Now, this is not the Lord in the, in the parable. This is the Lord. This is God. Thou art worthy, O Lord. To receive glory and honor and power. Why? For because thou hast created all things, the earth and the fullness thereof. Because thou hast created all things, notice what it says, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You see, you, I want to know what the purpose of life is. I want to know why I was put on this earth. I want to understand why I was put on this earth. Revelation 4.11 tells you that the purpose to life, the purpose we are created, the purpose we are here is for the pleasure of God, for thy pleasure they are, for thy pleasure we are and were created. And look, you need to understand, today this idea of the creation of God is under attack. Today Today, you've got the public school system, you've got the public education system trying to brainwash children into not believing in God, into believing in evolution, into believing that uh, we were not created, that we are a mistake, we just happen to come along, you know, just, uh, we have, and here's the thing, if you believe in evolution, you've got to believe certain things, you've got to believe there's no purpose and there's no plan and there's no point to your life, but if you believe in God, and you believe that God created you, then that gives purpose to your life because there's a reason He created you. There's a plan for your life. There's a purpose. There's a point. And here we're told, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And here's what Jesus said. The life that God has given you, the health that God has given you, the wealth that God has given you, the resources that God has given you, the opportunities that God has given you, anything that you can look at and say, this is what my life consists of, this is what my life has, it, whether it's a spouse, whether it's children, whether it's a business, whether it's a job, whether it's a home, whether it's a vehicle, wh whatever it is that your life consists of, you need to understand that it was given to you for His pleasure. We are to manage it all for His will. In his way. See, we are the stewards, and he is the owner. And you say, well, how does the parable of the unjust steward play in? We'll go back to Luke 16. Keep your place in, in Psalm. We're going to go back to it. Go back to Luke 16. Remember, in the parable, he was not just a steward. He was an unjust steward. What, why was he unjust? Because he was embezzling. 
He was taking the resources that belonged to the owner and he was using them as his own. He was taking the resources that belonged to the rich man and he was using them for his agenda. He was using them like Bernie Madoff taking people's money and people are giving him the money and saying, will you manage this on my behalf? Will you take care of this on my behalf? Will you invest it for me? I'm, putting, I'm giving this to you. I want to invest it for my retirement. I want to invest it for this, for that. And he took that money that he was supposed to manage on behalf of somebody else and he took that money and spent it as if it was his own. Spent it for his own vacation. Spent it for his own home. Spent it for his own uh, cause. Spent it for himself. The unjust steward was embezzling the Lord's resources. And here's what you need to understand. And I think this is one of the main points that you need to understand to really understand the parable of the unjust steward. What made him unjust was that he took the resources that belonged to the rich man and used them as his own. And here's what you need to understand. When you and I use the resources that God has given us to manage on his behalf, when we take the resources that God has given to us, the opportunities that God has given to us, the life that God has given to us, the help that God has given to us, the money that God has given to us, the influence that God has given to us, the, the abilities that God, the talents that God, the treasure that God, the time that God has given to us. When you and I take the resources that God has given to us and we use them as if they are our own. And we use them for our own purposes. You know what you and I are? We're the unjust steward. We are embezzling the resources that God has given to manage on His behalf, and we're taking them and using You say, what's the, what's the idea here of the unjust steward? And here's what you need to understand. The unjust steward is you, and it's me, and it's us when we take the resources that God has given us, and we use them as if they are our own. Because if you gave money to your accountant or to your financial uh, uh, plan guy or whatever, and you said, hey, I'm giving you this money. This is not your money. I understand you'll take a percentage of it, and I understand i got to pay you for your services, but this is not your money. I'm giving you this money to manage it on my behalf and to manage it for my good and to manage it for my pleasure and to manage it for my retirement, to manage it for my success. And that accountant took that money and spent it on himself. You would say, you are a crook. You are unjust. You are unrighteous. But yet God looks down at us and says, I have given you certain things to manage on my behalf for my pleasure. He says, your life was not given to you for you to spend on your pleasure. It was given to you for you to spend on my pleasure, to further my cause to further my agenda, to further my... And when you and I take his resources and spend them as if they belong to us, because like we said last week, sometimes we confuse possession with ownership. And we think, if I possess it, it must be mine. But you don't realize that not every time you possess something is it yours to do what you will with. Sometimes you own a home, sometimes you rent a home, but when you're renting that home, that home is not yours. And here's what you need to understand. In this life, we are just renting. This life has been given to us as a gift by God to manage on his behalf. So we see, number one this morning, the problem of the unjust steward. What was the problem of the unjust steward? His problem was that he did not understand his role. He was using his Lord's resources as his own, 
and was accused, the Bible says, of wasting his Lord's goods, wasting his master's goods. And here's what I need you to understand. In this parable, you and I need to put ourselves right there because when we spend the resources that God has given us to manage on his behalf, we are the unjust steward. So we saw, number one, the problem of the unjust steward. I'd like to notice, secondly, this morning, the perspective of the unjust steward. See, something changes in the way that this man looks at life and looks at his responsibilities. Look at verse 2 again, Luke 16 and verse 2. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Verse 3, Then the steward said within himself, Notice, there's a change in perspective. He says, What shall I do? He says, What, what I've been doing is not working. What I've been doing needs to change. He says, what shall I do for my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship? Now notice, this guy in the story is a bad guy. He's not only lazy, he's proud. Notice what he says. He says, I cannot dig. He's saying, I can't go get a manual job, you know, manual labor. My question is, why not? And look, any guy who's not willing to go, and listen to me very carefully, I praise the Lord for education and promotions and career and all of that. And look, if you can run a business and, and, and run it from an office and make good money, more power to you. God gave you that ability. Praise the Lord. But listen to me. Any man should be willing to go work a manual job if that's what it takes to take care of their family. And this guy was a lazy man when he said, I cannot dig. What's he saying? I'm lazy. And then he said this, and to beg, I am ashamed. He said, so I, and I'm not for begging, but he's too ashamed to beg. So what is it? He's proud, and he's lazy, and he's arrogant. He's a bad guy. But look, you and I are the representation of this parable. Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that there is none that doeth good, no, not one. So I want you to notice there's a change in his perspective. He says, what shall I do? He says, I've got to do something different. I've got to do something different than what's been, what I've been doing with my Lord's account. And here's what I want you to understand. And there's two things that prompt the change in perspective. Because here's the point. The perspective in you as a steward needs to change. And the perspective in me as a steward needs to change. The whole point of this series to help you with stewardship, the main point is to help you to see your life different, to not go into life thinking, I am the owner, I am in charge, I am running it, it is mine, I do with it as I please, but to live your life in a way where you will say, all of this belongs to God and I will do with it as he pleases. The perspective needs to change for you and for me. How do we change it? Well, I want you to notice there's two things that cause the unjust steward's perspective to change. What are they? Notice there in verse number 2. He says this, And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship. Now notice what he says. For thou mayest be no longer steward. There was a change in the perspective of the unjust steward. And the first step towards that is the realization that our stewardship will one day come to an end. He was told, you will be no longer steward. Look at verse 3. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? Notice what he says. For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. 
See, the realization that his stewardship would one day come to the end, the realization that his boss found out that he was stealing from him, and the boss said, when I get back to work, when I see you again, he's like, I'm going to fire you. I, you will no longer be my steward. Your stewardship will come to an end. And here's what I need you to understand. The same thing that changed the unjust steward's perspective in the story is the same thing that will change the perspective of these unjust stewards, and it is the realization that our steward will one day come to an end. I'm speaking to a mother this morning who needs to realize that she will not always have the opportunity to steward those children for God. And that one day those kids will grow up. And one day those kids will get married. And one day those kids will be making decisions on their own. And the problem with a lot of Parents is that they realize when their kids are 20 and 21 and 25 and 35 and 45 and they're trying to get them to undo and to redo and to train them and all these things. And it's like you should have, been done, you should have done that when they were five. I'm not trying to beat you up if you're here in that state this morning. I'm just trying to tell some of you that have not yet crossed that line. You will not always have those children to steward. Your stewardship will one day come to an end, mom. Your stewardship will one day come to an end, Dad. One day you will no more be steward of those children. And if you realize, it might change your perspective about how you do stewardship. One day you will not always be married. You know that marriage is something we are to steward for the glory of God? We'll have an entire sermon on this later on in this series, but marriage doesn't just happen. Marriage, good marriages don't just happen. People have this idea. When people have bad marriages, here's what they think. They think, well, I have a bad marriage because I married the wrong person. And everybody that has a happy marriage must have married the right person. That is a lie from the devil. Say, well, what, how do you know that? Here's how I know that. There's no right person. There's no Mr. Right. You you can look at somebody else's husband, ladies, and say, well, if my husband was like their husband, you you don't know him. Or you can look at somebody else's wife and say, well, if my wife was like her, you don't know her. Listen to me. Marriages that stay strong, marriages that stay committed, marriages that last decades upon decades when people make it to the end of their life, keeping their vows and being married till death do them part, that happens not because they got lucky. That happens because a lot of work went into that marriage. A lot of stewardship went into that marriage. A lot of purpose went into that marriage. But listen to me, one day that stewardship will be over. One day he'll be gone. I'm not saying divorce, I'm just saying he might die. One day he'll die. One day she'll die. And you can live your life saying, man, I I wish when I was married, I I wish I could go back. Or after the divorce saying, man, I I wish when we were married before the divorce, I wish I could have done X, Y, and Z. And maybe if I would have just done this, or maybe if I would have just followed that, or maybe if I would have just listened to the preaching in this area or that area, maybe she wouldn't have left, or maybe he wouldn't have left, or maybe I wouldn't have as many regrets. And all I'm trying to tell you is this. The perspective of steward changes when he realizes that your stewardship will one day come to an end. One day I will no longer have the ability to stand up and preach the word of God. One day my voice will fade. One day my mind will no longer be sharp enough to write a sermon, to preach a sermon. Some of you think we're already there, but you know. (laughs) One day I will not have the ability to preach the word of God as a preacher of the word of God. One day my stewardship of the word of God will come to an end. 
One day you will not have the health you have today. One day you will not have the finances you have today. One day you will retire and maybe your finances will be less and you'll live on a, uh, on a fixed income. I, I, I don't know what it is. Here's all I'm trying to tell you. One day you're going to die and your stewardship will come to an end. And what changed the perspective of the unjust steward is that he realized, he realized that his stewardship was coming to an end. He said, my Lord taketh. He said, for thou mayest be no longer steward. He said, my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. And here's all I'm trying to say. It may be good. It may be bad. You might get to the end of your life like the Apostle Paul and say, I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a current of righteousness. Uh, it may be a good thing, but here's what you need to understand. All of us at one, will one day come to the place where the stewardship of life will end. Where the stewardship of life will be over. So what changed the perspective of the unjust steward? Well, number one, the realization. The realization that his stewardship will one day come to an end. Go to the book of James, James chapter number 4. James chapter 4. If you start at the end of the book of Revelation and head back, you got the book of Revelation, you've got uh, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd, and 1st Peter, James. James chapter number 4. Now, you've got your place in Psalms. We're about to go to Psalms right after James, but do me a favor. When you get to James, put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there because we're going to leave James and we're going to come back to it, all right? So you should have your place in James and in Psalms. We're about to go to Psalms next. James chapter 4, look at verse 14. James chapter 4 and verse 14 says, Whereas ye know, whereas ye know not, what shall be on the morrow? Look, tomorrow your, your career could end. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying, you don't know. Tomorrow, I could get in an accident that will completely change the stewardship of my life. And I must steward my life, and I must steward my marriage, and I must steward my children, and I must steward my ministry, and I must steward. You must steward your job, and your career, and your business, and your influence, and your health. You must steward it in a way where you realize that one day, you will no longer be steward. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. What is the stewardship of life? It is a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Go to Psalm 39 if you kept your place there in Psalms. Keep your place there in James. Go to Psalm 39. Psalm 39, 4. Psalm 39, 4. I love these verses. I quote them to myself frequently. Psalm 39, 4 says this. Psalm 39, verse 4 says, Lord, make me to know mine end. He says, Lord, make me to know mine end. He says, put before me and keep before me the end of my life. Lord, make me to know mine end. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days. And just, just on the drive to church, I was talking with my wife, and we're talking about certain things we'd like to do with our children this year and certain things we'd like to change up in regards to their discipleship and how we're discipling them. And, 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 and this is a conversation we have often, and I'm not telling you we're the perfect parents because we're not. We're, we're, we're struggling and we're trying to do the best with the stewardship of, of those children that God has given us. But here's what I do want to do, and, the, and, and if there's one thing that I believe we're doing right, it's this. We are not raising our children for today, but we are raising our children for the future. Meaning the goal of our parenting is not that they be good children today. The goal of our parenting is that they would be good adults in the future. 
that love the Lord, that walk with God, that get married right, and that do it right, and that live life right, and that, that, that love God, and, and, and you know whatever they do in their lives, that's between them and God. But we just want to make sure that they are walking with God, and we are stewarding in that direction. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days. What it is that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as in handbreadth. He says, he says my, my, my days, if we were to look at my life on a timeline of eternity, he said, my entire life is like a handbreadth. He says, behold, thou hast made my days as in handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Selah. See, what prompted the perspective of the unjust steward was the realization that our stewardship will one day come to an end. There was another thing that prompted the perspective, a new perspective of the unjust steward. Go back to Luke 16. Keep your place there in James. We're going to come right back to it. Luke 16. Not only did he realize that his stewardship would come to an end, there's another thing he realized. Luke 16 and verse 2. I won't spend too much time on this because we talked about it last week. Luke 16 and verse 2. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Luke 16 verse 2. How is it that I hear this of thee? This is the Lord speaking to the unjust steward. He says, how is it that I hear this of thee? Notice what he says. Give an account of thy stewardship. For thou mayest no longer be steward. See, not only the realization that one day our stewardship will come to an end prompted a change in perspective in the unjust steward, but also the recognition that he will one day have to give an account for his stewardship. This is a parable. This is a made-up story. It's not real, but yet we see it in accounts like Bernie Madoff. You know, people ask Bernie Madoff, did you really think you were going to get, you didn't think that somebody? I mean, that 30-year-old and that 35-year-old that said, hey, I want to invest X amount of money, you know, every month for the next 30 years uh, until my retirement. I mean, at, at one point, someone was going to call and say, can I get an account of my stewardship, of thy stewardship? At some point, someone was going to say, hey, where's my money? Where's the resources? What have you done with what I gave you? And these people, these unjust stewards, live their lives in a way like one day I won't have to get an account. But listen to me, that's how you and I live our lives. We waste our lives and we waste our time and we waste our resources and we waste our influence and we waste it and we waste it on ourselves. And I'm just here to tell you, one day, there's coming a day of reckoning. There's coming a day of judgment when God Almighty God will say, give an account of thy stewardship. What did you do with what I gave you? What did, I, what did you do with what I gave you to steward on my behalf? Did you keep your place in James? Go to Hebrews. It's just right before the book of James. If you have your place in James, go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9. Look at verse 27. Notice how these two thoughts are connected. The idea that one day our stewardship will come to an end and the idea that we will one day have to give an account for thy stewardship. Hebrews 9, 27. Well-known verse, you know it. We could quote it, but let's look at it. Hebrews 9, 27. And as it is appointed unto men, notice what it says, once to die, but after this, the judgment. See, one day your stewardship will come to an end and you will have to give an account for your stewardship. And if you live your life today with the realization that one day my stewardship will come to an end and with the recognition that I will have to give an account for my stewardship, maybe the perspective of your stewardship of life will change. When you realize and you recognize 
that it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Go to Luke chapter 16. We saw, number one, the problem with the unjust steward. What was the problem with the unjust steward? The problem with the unjust steward is that he was using the Lord's resources as if they were his own. And often that is the problem with unjust stewards. We're using the Lord's resources as if they are our own. We're embezzling the resources that God has given to us. And then we saw the perspective of the unjust steward. He said, what shall I do? He said, something has to change. He said, I've been doing it wrong. When did that happen? When he realized that his stewardship would one day come to an end and when he recognized that he would one day have to give an account for his stewardship. Like you notice third this morning, the plan of the unjust steward. Now here's where the story gets interesting. And here's where the story gets a little odd. People get all Weird about it. Because the unjust steward comes up with the plan. And his plan on fa- at face value seems odd. Luke 16, verse 4. He says, I'm resolved what to do. He says, I have an idea. He said, I, I cannot dig, and-, and I'm too ashamed to beg. But he said, but I know what to do. He said, I'm resolved what to do. That, notice what he says, when I am put out of the stewardship. He says, when my stewardship ends, when my stewardship's done, here's what he's saying. My stewardship's not done yet. The Lord's coming home. And when he comes home and he verifies that I've wasted his money, he's going to fire me. He's going to, my stewardship will come to an end. He says, but it has not yet come to an end. And he says, I am resolved to do that. When I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. He said, I'm going to lose my job. He said, I'm going to lose my house. He said, I'm going to lose everything I've, I've, been, I've been doing. He says, but I got a plan. He says, when I'm put, when my stewardship is done, they may receive me into their houses. Now, who's the they? Look at verse 5. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors. That's the they. Unto him. And said unto the first, how much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, an hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, take thy bill and sit down quickly and write 50. So the guy says, I owe 100 measures of oil. And he says, hey, you know what? I'm the steward of this house right now. And because I'm the steward of the house, I have the position. I have the possessions. I have the authority. Right now, right now, I have the authority to say to you that you owe 100, but we're going to make it 50. Now, tomorrow when I'm fired, I won't have the authority to do that anymore. But today I can't. And he said, and he said to him, write down quickly and write 50. Look at verse 7. Then said he to another, and how much owest thou? And he said, an hundred measures a week. And he said unto him, take thy bill and write four score. Look at verse 8. And the Lord, I want you to understand this. This is not the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Lord in the story. And that's where I think a lot of confusion, come, confusion comes in. And the Lord, when the Lord found out about this, he commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. Now, I want you to understand, he doesn't commend what he does, but he commends that what he did was wise, what he did was smart. So here's the question I have for you. What did the unjust steward do? Here's what he did. You may want to write this down. He decided, he decided to use his current position and Possessions, his current authority, 
the job that he had right then, he decided that while he had it, he was going to use his position. He was going to use his possessions. He was going to use his authority to affect. He was going to use his current position, his current possession, his current authority to affect his future position, his future possessions, his future authority. See, he was saying, today I got the stewardship. Tomorrow I won't. So here's what I'll do. I'll use the ability that I have right now in my current position to affect my future position. And the Lord said, you're smarter than you look. That was a smart idea. I don't like what you did. But that was smart. The Lord commended his unjust steward because he had done wisely. And here's what you need to understand. And here's what I need to understand. If you were smart, and if I were smart, You know what we would do? We would use our current position and our current possessions and our current authority in this life right now to affect, while we have the stewardship of life, to affect our future position and our future possessions and our future authority in the coming position when we no longer have the stewardship of life. And notice what Jesus says, Luke 16, verse 9. He says, and I, now this is Jesus speaking. Notice what Jesus said. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. Notice what he says, that when ye fail, you know, you see that word fail there? It's talking about death. We, we use that word to reference death even today. When ye fail, they may receive you into. Now notice how Jesus connects it to the afterlife everlasting habitations. Here's what, here's what he's saying. He's saying the unjust steward used his current position while he had it to affect his future position before he got there. And then Jesus says, if you were smart, if you were wise, if you wanted to get a good idea, you know what you should do? You should use your future, your current, excuse me, possessions and positions and resources and authority, which you have right now, while you still have the stewardship to affect the position and possessions and authority that you will have one day in everlasting habitations when you no longer have the stewardship of life. And in fact, Jesus gave us an example of this. Let's look at it. Go to Matthew chapter 6. This is just an example. This is not all. But I want to give you one example. Matthew chapter 6. First book in the New Testament. Should be fairly easy to find. Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 19. This is not... The stewardship of life is everything. It's not just money. But he gives us an example. And Jesus often used the idea of money because money is tangible, something we can understand. And notice what he says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. Matthew 6, 19. He says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. He said, I know the stewardship of life gives you the ability for you to lay up treasures here on this earth. But Jesus says, you know what, unjust steward? If you were wise, you would not lay up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. You say, why? Because on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, because on earth you can lose it. Verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through or steal. So we see here that Jesus is saying, you can use the current treasures in your current possessions and invest them in such a way where you actually send them on ahead. What's he saying? He's saying use your current stewardship 
to affect your current position, to affect your future position. And he gives us the illustration of money. Go to Luke chapter 12. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke chapter 12. He gives us the illustration of money. But listen to me. It's more than money. You know what some of you ought to do that are in the same position of parenting that I am in, where you've got a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old and a 4-year-old and a 3-year-old and a whatever, however old they are, where you've got children? You know what you should be doing? You should be stewarding those children. You should be stewarding those children not for today but for tomorrow. You should be using your current influence right now to affect your future currents, your fluency in the, in the future. See, some of you are so concerned with right now. Well, right now they're out of control. Right now they're bothering me. Right now, and you're sitting them down in front of a television for hours upon hours upon hours, or in front of a video game for hours upon hours upon hours, and you're so concerned about the now. And then one day they're 19 and 20, and they don't want to talk to you. And they don't want to listen to you. And you have no influence over them. And you try to tell them, son, don't go down that road. Daughter, don't do that. And they don't want to listen to you. And you say, why? Because you, here's the thing. If you would spend your time right now, if you would spend your time right now with the current influence and position you have with them as a five-year-old, as a six-year-old, as an eight-year-old, and as a ten-year-old, and invest that in such a way for the future position you will have one day when they're no longer under your authority and all you have is friendship with your adult children. See, I want to parent my kids in a way that when I can no longer spank them, when they're 20 and 25 and 30 years old, and I have no authority over them, I want to have such a relationship with them that if I said, listen, son, I don't think she's good for you, that I would have such an influence on his life then that he would say, you know what, Dad? I love you. I respect you. I know you've got my back. I'm going to listen. I don't understand it, but I'm going to listen to you. So what, what do you mean? Here's what I'm saying. Use your current stewardship when you have the stewardship for one day when you won't have that stewardship. Here's what I'm saying. The, the unjust steward, his plan was use my current position to affect my future position. Some of you need to start investing in your marriage right now so you have a good marriage later. Start getting your finances in order right now so that you won't be struggling in retirement. Start investing in the spiritual now so that when you stand before God in the heavenly habit, in the everlasting habitations, at the judgment seat of Christ, you'll have something to show for it. Luke chapter 12, verse 33, notice what the Bible says. Luke 12, 33. So that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old. A treasure in the heavens that faileth not. Where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. And see, here's the problem. Remember, remember what Paul said? Paul said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He said, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark. See, some of you, I preach something like this, and some of you say, oh, well, it's already too late for me, and I've already messed up, and I've already done this, and I've already done that. Here's all I'm trying to tell you. Here's all I'm trying to explain to you. The smart steward would say, I'm just going to start using whatever influence I have right now. My kids are already grown. Well, then start influencing those grandkids. Or start doing what you can. You know, my marriage, is, I've already been divorced. I've already, you know, whatever it is, hey, just decide right now. Forgetting those things which are behind and just say right now, I will begin to use the influence, opportunity, resources, time, treasure, talent that I happen to have authority over to affect 
my future position. So we see the problem of the unjust steward. We see the perspective of the unjust steward. And we see the plan of the unjust steward to use my current possession, my current position, to influence my future possessions and my future positions. I'd like to end this morning with giving you just three stewardship principles that we find in this story. I want you to go back to Luke 16. Because look, I don't know about you, but if I got, a, if I got the stewardship of life, and I've got certain things I need to steward, and my, the things I have to steward may be different than the things you have to steward. Some of you have to steward a businesses. I, I have been given the stewardship of this church. The Bible actually says that. We, you, it may be marriage, it may be health. Some of you need to start investing in your current health right now that one day your health will be better in the future. See, a, a, a wise steward will begin to steward what he has now with an eye on the future. But in this parable, we find three stewardship principles. Now, here's the thing. If I have to steward life, I want to know what the rules are, how to do it well. I want to learn how to leverage the principles of stewardship in a way where I can come out on top. And we find three stewardship principles in the story. I want to give them to you quickly, and we'll finish up. Three stewardship principles. If you haven't written anything down, that's fine, but you might want to write these down. Number one, just by conclusion, three stewardship principles. Number one, understand, uh, understand the value of unrighteous mammon versus the value of true riches. Let me say that again. Understand the value of unrighteous mammon versus the value of true riches. Look at Luke 16 and verse 8. Notice what the Bible says. And the Lord commanded the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generations wiser than the children of light. Verse 9. And I say unto you, notice what he says. Make of yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. That when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Now notice verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least. What does the word faithful mean? It means to be trustworthy. He says, he that is faithful or trustworthy in that which is least. So here's the question I have. What is least? Notice what he says. Is faithful also in much? So here's the next question. What is much? What's the least of life? And what's the much of life? And he that is unjust, that's your not trustworthy. That's your a crook. You're an embezzler. He that is unjust in the least. And again, I got to ask the question. What's the least? Is unjust also in much? And I've got to ask the question, what's the much? What's the least of life? What's the much of life? Look at verse 11. If therefore ye have not been faithful, he's about to tell you what's the least of life. If ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, that's the least. What's mammon? It's wealth, it's possessions, it's things, it's cars, it's vehicles, it's toys, it's, it's electronics, it's the things we possess in this life. He said, if therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, don't miss this, who will commit to your trust true riches? Now, here's what's interesting. Our world looks at unrighteous mammon as riches. I mean, if you go to someone's house and they've got a mansion and they've got beautiful cars and beautiful clothes and, 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 and nice vacations and all sorts of things, we look at that and say, wow, this guy's really rich. But according to the Bible, that's the least. That's the least of this life. God says you ought to concern yourself with the true riches. So what, what are the true riches? Go back to Luke chapter 12. 
In Luke chapter 12, there's a story of a rich fool. We're actually going to get to this parable later on in the series. And we're going to learn about the rich fool and look at all the principles and applications there. But for now, let's just look at verse 15. And he said unto them, take heed. This is Jesus speaking. And beware of covetousness. Notice what he says. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. That's quite a statement Jesus made. A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Look at verse 21. So is he. Talking about the rich fool. We'll learn about him in a few weeks. So is he that layeth up treasure. What's unrighteous mammon? Treasure for himself. And is not rich towards God. Please listen to me. Please listen to me. Some of you put way too much emphasis on the things of this world. And you need to live at a certain place. You need to drive a certain vehicle. You have to wear a certain name brand. You got to do this and you got to do that. And listen to me. Please listen to me. You can work all the long hours. You can ignore your children. You can ignore your kids. You can put them in daycare so that you can go, so your wife can go work. So you can, you can do all of that. But listen to me. You will get to the end of your life and realize that you gave your life for that which is least, for that which is nothing. No one on their deathbed says, I wish I would have just worked a few more hours. Now, if there's one we're going to have in life, the one we're going to have is that I spend too much time with my children. You know, if there's a regret, if there's a regret I have in life, my regret is that, you know, all those Saturday mornings that I went out and knocked doors and preached the gospel and got people, I could have spent that time working a part-time job and, and got on a cruise. Nobody's going to say that. No one will say that on their deathbed, and they're dead sure not going to say it in heaven. No one's going to say, man, if there, is one, if, there is one, if there is one regret I have is that, yeah, we, we didn't live in as nice a house as we could have, and we didn't drive as nice a vehicle as we could have, and we didn't have as nice clothes, and we had to shop at the thrift store, and we had to shop at the Goodwill. But if there's one regret, it's all those nights I spent reading the Bible with my children. Man, I just regret that. Nobody will say that. But many a father will say, I wish I wouldn't have worked as hard. Yeah, we had nice stuff. But I can't get back the stewardship that I have. See, a principle for stewardship is this. Understand the value of unrighteous mammon versus the value of true riches. Understand that there are some things that don't matter. Now, look, we got to take care of our families and we got to take care of our children. I get that. And there's men in this room that work hard and you do well and you work hard so your wife doesn't have to work and you work hard so she can homeschool the kid. And I get that and I'm not devaluing that. But you know in your heart when covetousness enters in. And you know in your heart when life begins to be about the least. So one stewardship principle is Understand the value of unrighteous mammon versus the value of true riches. Here's another stewardship principle. Go back to, go, go to Luke 16. We, here's stewardship principle number two. We, the children of light, saved individuals, must learn to use unrighteous mammon to accomplish our goals as well as the children of the world use unrighteous mammon to accomplish their goals. I know that was a lot. Let me say it again. We, the children of light, must learn to use unrighteous mammon to accomplish our goals as well as the children of, of this world 
use unrighteous mammon to accomplish their goals. Look at Luke 16 and verse 8. Notice what Jesus said, where the Bible says, And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. Notice what it says. For the children of this world are in their generations wiser than the children of light. A lot of people get confused by that. So what does that mean? Here's what that means. We, as the children of light, must learn to use unrighteous mammon to accomplish our goals as well as the children of this world use unrighteous mammon to accomplish their goals. So what do you mean by that? Here's what I mean by that. McDonald's has done a better job at getting their message out to this world than we have. Isn't that true? You'll find a McDonald's everywhere, every continent of this world, every country of this world, every state in this union, multiple in every city. But you won't find an independent fundamental Baptist, King James, soul winning, hellfire and brimstone, will not change, will not compromise the church in every city in this country. Here's all I'm saying is Coca-Cola has done a better job at getting their message out than we've done at getting our message out. McDonald's has done a better job. Walmart has done a better job at accomplishing their goals, at using unrighteous mammon to accomplish their goals than you and I have done. And Jesus is saying the children of this world are in their generations wiser than the children of life. See, you, you say, well, Pastor, you just said about the unrighteous mammon and the true riches, and, and does that mean that we're supposed to go be monks and not worry about money and just go live off rice and beans? No, no, here's all I'm saying is we must see the, the tools of this world. We must see the tools of this world simply as that, tools to be used for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Say, Pastor Max, do you, do you live for, for vehicles? I could care less about vehicles. We have a van because we transport our children in that van. We use it as a tool to steward the children of God. Do you understand what I just said? You, oh, don't you wait, one day, wouldn't you like to drive some nice big, I don't even know what nice cars are. I can't, I, some Lamborghini. There's nothing in me that wishes to have a Lamborghini. Amen. Say, why? Because it's waste, because it'll corrupt, because it's moth, because it's a waste of time. We are to see the resources of this world as a tool to get out the message and to promote the agenda of our Lord. Say, why do you have these cameras to get the message out? Why, why do you invest in, in things, you know, in this we, we invest in things in this ministry for one reason. I was out sewing Brother Graham yesterday. I, I know, I got to finish up. I was out sewing Brother, Brother Graham yesterday, and I was telling him this story about how when I was preaching in Texas recently, somebody walked up to me and said, you're getting tons of uh, Mexican people saved in Austin. And I said, I've never been to Austin. How am I getting Mexican people saved in Austin? And he said, well, you know, I go soul winning in Austin. And everyone there is Hispanic. Everyone, and he's like, I don't, I don't speak good uh, Spanish. You know, my Spanish is not good. He said, so I, I learned enough. And he said, I memorized enough to be able to knock on a door, invite someone to church, ask them the questions, see if they're interested. If they say yes, that they'd like to hear the gospel, he says, I take out my iPhone, and I pull up your Spanish, El Camino Biblico al Cielo, and I just have them watch it. And then I ask them, do you understand this? You have any questions? And if they're like, yeah, I understand it. You want to pray like he said? Yeah. And he said, you're getting tons of people saved in Austin, Texas. I thought, that's interesting. But you know what's interesting is that somebody bought a camera. Somebody took time. Someone wrote down some verses. 
Someone turned that camera on, allowed me to speak. Someone took that video, edited it down. Someone uh, put a title on it. Someone posted it on YouTube. Someone posted it on Facebook. Someone posted it on all sorts of websites over in the internet. You go on our, on our homepage right now, Bible's Way to Heaven has thousands of views. Here's what I'm saying is, we need to learn to use the resources that God has given us on this earth to further His kingdom here, to further His work here. A good steward does not live for unrighteous mammon. A good steward will learn to use unrighteous mammon to accomplish the goals of our Lord. Here's stewardship principle number three. Kind of goes with what I just said. In order to one day possess that which is your own, you must be faithful with that which is another's. In order to one day possess that which is your own, you must be faithful with that which is another's. Luke 16, verse 12. And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another's man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Pastor, one day I'd like to run a business. I don't feel God has called me into ministry. I don't feel the desire of going to ministry. I'd like to run a business, and I'd like to you know, be able to be successful in that way so that I can financially invest in the work of God and support missions and all those things. Hey, praise the Lord for that. But you know what? You better make sure you're the best employee at work right now. Well, I don't take it that seriously because, you know, I'm not in charge. Well, you know, a principle of stewardship is this, that if you one day hope to possess your own, you better be faithful with that which is not your own. And you better believe that if your boss is looking for someone to promote, he's looking for the person. He's not looking to promote the guy that will be a good employee when I promote them. He's looking for the boss that is a good employee before I promote them. Do you understand what I just said? One day I want to like to pastor a church and I'm going to show all these guys up. I'm going to run more than all these men. You better just make sure you're a good church member now then. And you know, for the guys that want to go in ministry, let me, let me explain something to you. you. You want to know what I'm looking for? You say, how do I, how do I get pastor to let me preach on a Sunday night? You show up to men's preaching night. Say, I want 10 minutes. That's not enough. If you're not faithful in that which is least, why would I give you more? If, you, if I can't trust you to show up, prepare, and be ready for a 10-minute sermon, why would I give you a 45-minute sermon or an hour-long sermon? Here's all I'm telling you is you want to be a good steward? In order to possess one day that which is your own, you must be faithful with that which is another man's. That's what the Bible says. We as the children of light must learn to use unrighteous mammon to accomplish the goals that we have, as well as McDonald's has learned to use unrighteous mammon to accomplish their goals. And we must understand the value of unrighteous mammon versus the value of true riches. And all of these principles, all of these principles, you use them to leverage this one thought that I can use the stewardship of life today, the positions and possessions and authorities that I have right now to influence the future position, the future possessions, the future authority when I one day lose my stewardship, because here's what I know. All of us will one day lose our stewardship. And we will be held accountable for our stewardship. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for these stories, these parables. That when we dig into them, we learn so much that applies to our lives. And Lord, I pray for this unjust steward who's standing up here and for the unjust stewards in this room that are currently living their lives 
embezzling your resources. And Father, I pray you'd help us to get a better perspective. I pray you'd help us to recognize that one day we'll lose our stewardship and to realize that one day we will give an account for our stewardship. And if there's one thing we can learn from this unjust steward, is to get a better plan, to use our current possessions to affect our future position, to use our current possessions to affect our future possessions, our current influence, our current health, our current abilities, talents, time, treasure, to affect our future. Lord, help us to see the unrighteous mammon as a tool and help us to begin to use it wisely to get our message out and our goal out as well as the world has gone theirs out. Father, I pray that you would begin to work in our lives to help us not to be unjust stewards, but to be just stewards. Not to be unrighteous, but to be righteous. And to use our Lord's resources in a way that would please him. I pray, Lord, you'd help us to come back tonight to listen to the word of God preached, to be challenged from the word of God, to help us in our stewardship of life. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.